Welcome to the Legends of the Black and Tan Coonhound, a podcast where two past breed presidents, Chaz Smith and Ray Conrad, dig into the weeds of the legends of the black and tan breed and the owners and handlers behind them. Our mission is simple, to enshrine the stories of past legends and raise awareness and participation in our beloved breed organization, the American Black and Tan Coonhound Association. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we unearth stories of past black and tan legends. Okay, we're here in the uh, headquarters of Muddy River Kennels. I'm joined with uh, Tad Timmons on the couch, my friend and mentor Wendell Perry, and my co-host Ray Conrad. My name's Chad Smith. This is Legends of the Black and Tan Coonhound, and this is our first episode of a legend, isn't it, Ray? Absolutely, and we got a real one. We got a good one, yep. Um, We got a real one. (laughs) So uh, we want to catch up on some housekeeping. The last... um, episode we did which is our inaugural episode we were giving uh shout outs and high fives to the winners of uh, the major events this fall and we skipped uh, one that didn't need to be skipped but uh it's a fellow south carolina alina guy caleb gibbs ray oh yeah caleb uh young man that uh You've actually owned a dog out of out of, uh, out of his male dog, had you? I have. I did. A pretty good, pretty nice male dog, too. And um, it would be, I believe, a half-sister, half-brother, I mean to say, to, okay. the, uh, to the dog that was so successful. And Caleb did a great job with that dog. Uh, he actually, I talked to him last year, and he told me that the little female was really for real. And um, obviously she is. Okay, so that Jip is... Uh she was in the final four of the fall uh, Super Stakes Junior Division, and her name is Jets Bat Alley, and it's owned and handled by Caleb Gibbs. So a good job by Caleb. Uh, as we always like to start off the, uh, the podcast, uh, we have no uh, paid advertisements. The only advertisement we ask you to do is to, uh, if, if you find it in your heart to be a member of the Black and Tan Association, that's, that's what we're looking for. Um, $30 a year gets you a yearbook, so sectionals, the black and tan days. Uh, just uh, 30 bucks is a, a good way to spend you, spend that little dab of money. So uh, with that, um, we're going to start with uh, our first legend in this series. Um, me and Ray is going to we, – we're sitting here in, uh, in the house with uh, Wendell Perry, known by some as Inky, and Wendell's uh, – hunting friend of mine and uh we've been hunting together for several years and wendell has uh, a long history with black and tans and um probably the most recognizable black and tan in history uh, wendell had a very in uh inaugural part in him and we're going to talk about him we're going to talk about other dogs and we're going to talk about his friendships with uh several of the of lifetime members in the association and probably he's the most closest with uh, someone that that needed to be interviewed but never got interviewed and that was that was jarvis umfers and wendell was a partner of jarvis for uh, 40 years so we're gonna get started ray um, yeah i think we do you know wendell 
when I walked in the door and the first thing he did was hand me this pedigree, this single registered pedigree here of, and I'm just going to go ahead and put the dog's name out there, uh, Boyle's Gentleman Jim that Wendell owned. Um, and he was just telling me a lot of stuff about it. And we're going we're gonna to continue that on. But, then, I mean, this is one of the, I mean, the flagship dogs of the black and tan breed. Yeah, there's just a handful. Yeah, this is one of this is one of them. This right is one here. of them. So I would say, you got Jim, you've got Lawson's Big Hoss, you've got the Night Rider Strand, um, and and Shinker. The Shinker stuff didn't come from much of this. So basically, there's and I know I'm leaving some out, but those are the are the uh, Mount Rushmore. Absolutely. I mean, this dog's birthday is May 5th, 1972, 51 years ago. All right, Wendell. Um, first of all, let's get <coughs> let's let's paint the picture of how you and, and Jarvis become friends before partners. Let's let's start with a friendship there. OK, Chad, Jarvis was going to church with a friend of mine that had, was born and raised here at Halls, and uh, he got to talking to Jarvis one day, and Jarvis, somehow their conversation got into the fact that Jarvis was a coon hunter, and he said, well, man, I got a friend down at home that I grew up with that loves to coon hunt, and he said, I'm going I'm to get him to come down here and meet you and go hunting with you sometime." So actually, that's we worked it out, and I went I went down one weekend, and uh, Jarvis took me hunting with a, a dog that I think is a legend in his own time, also old Tennessee Rambler, and I had never been with a dog that treed that hard and that loud and with that kind of uh, treeing, and he also had a couple more dogs. Uh, I think he had that that night. I think he had uh, maybe uh, one of Riley's dogs. He called Short Chains. But anyway, we had our usual group. Are you had, talking about Riley Lafoon? Yeah. Okay. We we probably had at least four or five dogs when we went hunting. And when they struck that coon and worked it out, they they were all open trailers and they trailed track up good and didn't stand on their head they moved it right on out and boy when they hit that tree it sounded like a carnival i mean it was dogs barking loud and clear and they were all all four of them were on that tree all the way around it and old rammer was he'd already begin to saliva began to run down both sides of his mouth he was treeing so hard and those others were treeing the same now way. rambler and, and forgive me i'm because i'm gonna show you how ignorant i can be with some stuff but is rambler big wheel fiddler are they related no, in any kind no. of way not at all not at all okay but rambler produced a, a dog a female named mighty mini that that won in in lots of things and he, and Jarvis was a dog trader you know he had dogs in and out but uh, a lot of, a lot of the good dogs that came uh, right along after that were out of old Rambler okay he 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 produced <coughs> a lot of good puppies I had uh, 
couple out of him that I raised, and they were they were you know just first class dogs. That's all. Well, after that, uh, after that time, I, I was down right down at Jarvis every all the chance time. I got, and he was up here, and we just hunted together for years. Well, and, and you know, Chad, people listening to this, we all know who Jarvis is, you know, and Jarvis Humphers, but. What we really want to talk about and make mention of as well that Jarvis, Jarvis is deceased. He's been dead a, what a couple three years now, something like that. Um, Jarvis was a really good guy, and he was a visionary in the coonhound world, in my opinion. Uh, he was a founder of of the PKC situation as we know it. Tremendous amount in that. Also, he was truly big in the American Black and Tan Association too in his time. Um, and people that don't know who Jarvis is, he is one of the people that laid the groundwork for what the modern coon hunters doing out there today. That's correct. Yep. Yep. He, he, uh, and when we'll talk about this a little further along, but, but Wendell was in the conversations with PCA when PCA was getting when, started, when it was founded. Okay. Yep. So Wendell, to go back to Jarvis, you and so you had a, classmate maybe a friend that went to memphis to a church in germantown yeah and that's where that friend of yours met jarvis and then that's how y'all got together in the church at germantown because because jarvis lived in germantown yeah he did at that time yep so y'all become fast friends after so so uh tennessee rambler i think was at a uh, Harrelson's Rough Rider. Rough Rider, that's right. And I, that that was a dog that that needed to be mentioned in that Mount Rushmore. Uh, there is a lot of dogs that still go back to old old Rambler, old Tennessee Rambler. Yeah. What was the story on Rambler, Wendell? Uh, I he was he was way on up in years probably before I ever got to hunt with him. Probably four four or five years old by then. But uh, Jarvis was using him for uh, for breeding purposes already, and he he was he was selling puppies. He had some real good females, and he would he and a lot of people all, all over the country were breeding uh, breeding to him. But see, at one time uh, he won the ACHA World Hunt with the dog with Rambler with Rambler. And he won the world hunt <coughs> several times after that. But at that time, we had right here in a, in a small group, we had Tam Young, and he had a partner by that time named Keith Conway. And they had the Big Wheel and the Wheeler and all those dogs. And then there was Olive Oils, who, who we got Jim from, that was a, a real true-blooded, black-and-tan man, and he had a lot of good dogs and, and produced a lot of good dogs. And then then here I was down here. I had a I had a litter mate to Jim that was one year older than Jim, and he was a, he was an outstanding coon dog, but he, he, he wasn't classy like Jim. He, he had a little white on his chest, and he... He was not as deep tan and deep. Uh, he wasn't much to look at, but he was an honest, 
he was what coon hunter, pleasure coon hunters would really love to own. And uh, over the years, a lot of people that just came to pleasure hunt with me, they would end up getting a black female, and they would breed to Dan. And Dan produced puppies as good as Jim, almost. Or, or they just, and some of his puppies would be real pretty and real classy. But it's like I always told those people that got those puppies, I said, there's one thing about it. They may not win the world hunt like Jim has or Rambler has or Big Wheel or some of these other dogs, but they will make a coon dog. Uh, every puppy Dan ever threw turned out to tree coons and do a pretty good job of it. And, you know, that's, that's a big thing, Wendell, yeah. you're talking about there. But I can remember as a young child, in like 1970 i was eight years old so i remember back then hunting with my dad we had to beg dogs to tree yeah i mean we would actually i don't know how many hats we wore out hitting a tree and bushes and stuff trying to make them tree and to hear you say that nearly every puppy everyone would run a tree that's a big statement i i, I had several puppies that the first time they ever went to the woods, five or six months old, would get out there and tree their own coon. I ain't that salt. And I, I, one story, I, I went one night with a little female that I had out of Dan, and you know, we had Dan and a couple more real good dogs. It was in the spring of the year, and the backwater was out. Frogs was croaking and all that. Well, we we turned them loose, and they struck right on the edge of that backwater, and uh, the puppy didn't go with them. She just kind of hanging around there a little bit. But all of a sudden, she left and kind of went off the other way. But those dogs caught that coon out there in that water, and they was barking, and the coon was squalling, and I thought, why didn't she go on out there? And all of a sudden, she started barking every breath right over here somewhere. And I, I told my friend, I said, that little puppy done got in behind the fence or something. She's hung up. And I said, you go on up there to those dogs, and I'm going to go out there and see if she's hung, get her loose or whatever. And when I got out there, she was up on a tree, treeing every breath. And, and at that time when you would go to... Uh, UKC coon hunts all over the country. They always had a treeing contest. Oh, yeah. They put a coon <coughs> up in a tree and they hold a stopwatch and count the barks. Well, uh, the first time I took this puppy where Jarvis was, he grabbed her up. He said, I, I don't keep her for a while. He, <laughs> he took her and put her in those treeing contests. And she barked 120, 125 times a minute. On a drag. Wow. <laughs> That's the kind of tree dog she was. And eventually, uh, Glenn Barron had, had gotten to be uh, in with Jarvis, and they were kind of partners in the round. And uh, Glenn, Glenn kept bugging me. He wanted he wanted to buy that puppy. And I, I told Glenn I didn't want to sell her. But uh, he said, well, will you sell me half interest in her? And he said, "I'll give you, uh, I'll give you twenty five hundred dollars for that puppy." That was a lot of money that back then. That was a lot of money back then. Or either I'll, uh, I'll give you half of that, and you let me take her 
and campaigner and doing around this. So he kept her, I don't know, six months or so. Him and Jarvis were hunting her and trading around, going to hunt. And uh, so one day he came he came up there to the house and he said, you know, I'd like to buy you out of that puppy. And I said, well, Glenn, I, I don't really need her. And I've got a bunch more puppies. I said, I guess I would let you have her. And at that time, it, it was, uh, we'd had a bad crop year and Sure. The money was come come in pretty handy for me. So, and that's one of the few dogs I ever sold that I liked. But anyway, he uh, Glenn didn't even slow down, I don't guess. He had that puppy sold to a, a black gentleman by the name of Robert Jaycox. Jaycox had gotten into the black and tan coon hunting business. And he went up there, and Jay Cox gave him $5,000 for my dog. <laughs> Which, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't say anything because Glenn and I are good buddies, and I, he, um, I made a trade. But I, I never did really forgive him for that. Well, let's go back to, uh, you know, I, I need to add one more to the Mount Rushmore, and that's Tam's start, and that was that dog named Young's Black Trash. Yeah. Trash. Mm-hmm. was where all those dogs come from. And maybe at some point I'd get Clay and, and Tam on to, to talk about their end of it. So we're adding these dogs to this Rushmore. We're, we're going to have two Rushmores here in just a minute, but that's fine. Yeah. Let's go back to the old, old Rambler. So Rambler won, what year was that when he won the ACHA hunt? <coughs> you know, I, my memory's gotten so bad, Chad. It was, it was a couple years before we won it with Jim. See, when we when we got Jim to be a world champion, it was in ACHA, mm-hmm. Pine Bluff, Arkansas. All right, and so he, he would have been he would have been the world champion dog. Period. He got into the final four, and uh, there was a a dog called Houses Tom Tom that <coughs> won it that year. So. Uh, you, find out what year uh, Tom Tom won the world hunt and you'd take move Rambler back a couple of years before that but it was in the early 70s so many <coughs> everybody's heard of Umphrey's Mighty Many right Mighty Many was where all the Myers dogs come from yeah for what it from Myers Fiddler I, crossed on Myers is Mighty Many I think I think so too. So, um, or, or many was in the start of those Myers bred dogs. Mm-hmm. So you can go all the way down to Screaming Bow and Myers is Mighty Hoss. Those aren't Screaming Shell. But let's let's run back to. So you and uh, Jarvis become fast friends, and he's hunting Rambler, and and I guess y'all are just hunting pretty much every time you get together. Y'all met somewhere halfway, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, after we bought Jim, uh, most of the time when some people were wanting to breed the Jim, they would they would come to Jarvis's house and then they would meet me over in Hatchy Bottom and over around Brownsville, and we would show Jim to prospective breeders. And uh, that time, a guy that doesn't coon hunt anymore, but. He got he got into the black and tan and he had a good stock of dogs. Uh, 
Herb Logan out of Oklahoma, and I'm not sure that that his dogs didn't originate from uh, your friend over in Arkansas. No, I think Herb's dogs came from Jim. Did he? Yeah, yeah, they came from Jim. Okay. So let's back up. Let's back up and let's talk about Rambler a little bit more. Okay. So how? So Rambler five or six and seventy two. I mean, he was of some age. Yeah. So did he live after y'all bought Jim, or or did he die? And that's why y'all were looking for Jim. I don't really know how. What see? There's a a, a guy up in New York by the name of Greg Osterhaus. He was a wealthy kid, I think. Anyway, he got into the coon hunting business, and he actually came down here and bought a Rambler from Jarvis. Jarvis sold Rambler, but he was old by then. And, but, yeah, Greg came and bought Rambler, and I lost contact of him after that. Uh, I don't know whatever happened, but I'm sure Greg didn't keep him too long, but he, he had him in the, in the American Cooner advertising him as stud for, for a year or so after that, so. All right, so we're let's fast forward. Y'all still hunting and going to the White River ever, we went ever winter. Yeah, going to uh, yeah we, we Sweat's were, camp. Sweat, yeah, Miss Sweat's camp. camp there on Maddox Bay mm-hmm. in White River Bottom. But we also had another annual thing, probably probably more than once a year, maybe two or three times a year. We went down in Alabama to. Uh, fellow by the name of Bob Porter and he had he had gotten into black and tan business and he had uh, I think his dogs came from Shinker mostly he had uh, Shinker's black jet at one time and when I would go down there that uh, they would always invite several different black and tan breeders that's that's where I I hunted most of the time that I hunted with Riley, he would Riley Lapoon would be there, and Doctor Porter and Jarvis and me, and uh, sometimes uh, somebody else that could get loose in the black and tan. They would all come to Doctor Porter's. And yep. he, they had a big old plantation ma- mansion sitting right on the Tom Bigby River, and they converted it into their hunting camp, and they just surrounded by. Big timber. Now, Doctor Porter, I think he bought. He was. He had the Okachia Big Alex. He did. He had, and, that. and that's where Big Time Albert come from. So that's where all the Albert line come from. Bob, Doctor Bob Porter. He was a doctor of what? When he was a dentist. A dentist doctor. Yeah. And that big uh, plantation was on the Tom Bigby. Right on the river. Right on see the, river. the river going about by. So y'all would get. When would y'all get together for that hunt? Well, I just whenever, sometimes we do it in the fall. Sometimes we do it in the late spring. Just we go more than sometimes we go more than once a year. It, Doc would try to invite somebody that were black and tan breeders that hadn't been there, but every time he'd ha- he'd have me and Jarvis there. Now, that before we quit Tennessee Rambler, Jones's Southern Rambler was the own son. The Tennessee Rambler, that's one Doc had. Yeah. Doc passed away. Doc's a lifetime member, past president, and Patty's still alive. Yeah, yeah. But, but Doc, so Jones' Southern Rambler 
was was the own son of yeah. Tennessee Rambler. He was raised by uh, a gentleman lived down in uh, Georgia. His last name was Jones, and he was a he was a black and tan man too. But he he wasn't hunting much at that time. He'd gone gone off in years, but he always would come over to Maddox Bay and just stay with us and talk and conversation and so forth. But he. He always he always looked like he just got out of the shower. He just dressed up and old Ramner was a big old spoiled thing. He was a beautiful dog, but he was he was he was a big dog, probably weighed ninety pounds. And he always had that curl tail curl right up over his back and Mr. Jones lead him around over the ground and he he finally he finally Doc finally talked him out of him. <coughs> So let's go from Rambler before Jim. Let's go before Jim. Now y'all was getting some scuttlebutt about Jim before Black and Tan Days of '74. Yeah, you were hearing some stuff about yeah Jim. Uh, Jarvis was. Right. I hadn't heard much about him because I wasn't really into competition hunting or anything. I was just more or less a pleasure hunter at that time, and uh, actually. The deal was that Jim would stay with Jarvis during the off-season, and Jarvis would campaign him and set up all the breeding and do all the business. But when the regular coon season opened up here in Tennessee, I'd go get him, and I'd hunt him just like he was a, just a dog, you know. But he treated lots of coons. And that that's how that all went. So where did uh, bef so before we get into how y'all got him bought and all, where where did he come from? That's that's a question that Audie had him. Audie and Audie had gotten him from a, a guy by the name of Howard Grimes, and I think I think he originally came from over there around uh, over in Gibson County. But the same people that uh, got his dad at the garbage dump, Reuben White, Reuben and White. Uh, another guy, I can't think of his name now. They were just, just old country coon hunters. So, Gentleman Jim's dad <coughs> came from a garbage dump. That's what they say. I okay. don't know. I don't know that. But that's what they say. That's what they say. Now, how does uh, Cotton Skelton fit into the picture? Well, Cotton, uh, he had old Dan. I got Cotton, I got Dan from Cotton. But Cotton knew he hunted with these guys that, that came up with Jim, with their daddy and all. They were, Cotton ran a restaurant there in Trenton, and they all gather up there every day and, and talk about the coon hunting went on last night and who had a good dog and who didn't have a good dog and all well that same old restaurant is still on the corner yeah, right before there, but it, it i don't know if it's called cotton's cafe anymore yeah. but it was cotton's cafe yeah that's where the, the all the hunting stories that's where they all place. originated from and uh cotton he'd gotten a hold of dan and i don't know where but jarvis called me one time and he said uh cotton's got a dog over there you probably won't he said he's real. Thing. He's a real hound, a real pleasure dog. And he said, 
Cotton says he's got him sold, and he, he, he's going to put him on an airplane, ship, ship him somewhere out west for 12 grand, 1200 And he said, if you want him, he'd probably, uh, he'd probably let you have him rather than paying all that freight and having to come to Memphis and everything. So I, I really didn't particularly want him, but uh, Jarvis talked about what a real coon dog he was, and so I went over there and Cotton said, "Yeah, if you got if you got twelve hundred dollars, you can get him." I said, "I don't, I don't really, I didn't promise this guy. I mean, he's not sold. The guy just tells me if if I ever decide to sell him, that he'd take him." And so I said, "Well, yeah, I'm gonna take him." So I got Dan. Dan was probably five or six years old when I got him. So Dan came after Jim. Dan, I had Jim before. You had Jim before Dan then? No, I had Dan before Jim. Were they the same litter or different? No, no, no. Jim and, so let me. Dan Dan was older than Jim. Well, let me tell the listeners that way they'll know. Pinewood Dan, Vols Gentleman Jim, Vols is Blackjack. We're all brothers. That's right. Different litters. Different litters. Three different litters. All, all three of them. Yeah, that's right. So, Pinewood Dan was probably out of the oldest litter. Probably was. I'd say he is. Yeah, was. And the best I can tell, a lot of the stuff, that the Fred Smith stuff, he came to breed, Fred Smith came to breed to Jim, but Jim was either unavailable or sick or something, and he bred to Dan and that's where all of Fred Smith, the Smithhurst dogs, um, yeah, that's Ray, right. that's where all they come from. Where it all started. Right there. So, uh, see, <clears throat> I'm trying to paint the picture for these listeners how many fingers is, is going out in this, in the early 70s. You're, you've talked about Lef- Riley LaFoon, Tam, Jarvis, guy in New York, and we're, we're, we've got way more in the, in the pipe here we're yeah, going to talk about Porter. dr porter so all right so you're hearing about you've got dan mm-hmm. and y'all are hearing about this young black dog yeah jarvis did jarvis i did. heard anything about it now jarvis and audie and mitchell were <coughs> pretty close wasn't they oh yeah yeah and tam and audie and mitchell were close yeah you know we used to we used to say that West Tennessee was the black and tan capital of the world because at one time we probably had at least three or four black and tan dogs that had won the black and tan world hunt. Mm-hmm. I mean, that part of the hunt. That part of the hunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Between so, Tam and what Big Wheel and Wheeler did and what Jim and Dan had done and what Ramler had done and... What Audie had done. Audie had some other dogs besides Jim that that did a lot of winning. And Mitchell, of course, he won a lot with old Blackjack. But they didn't really. uh, Mitchell, for one, he didn't go to very many hunts, didn't campaign him. He just, every once in a while, he decided to make a hunt around close. But then he'd go to Black and Tan Days, and he did real good. Now, we still, we talked to Ricky, which is Audie's son. Yeah. And he still coon hunts black and tans. It, he does. And other breeds. He's but. always got one that's 
he wants me to look at, but he won't ever let me bite. <laughs> well, <laughs> you don't need no more dogs. <laughs> don't get me going down that rabbit trap. Well, what, I, what I've always done is trying to get something as close to, to my old stock as I can, and it, they're running out. Oh, they're gone pretty much. <laughs> well, they're not gone. They're, they're watered get, down, they're, I guess. Yes, yes, they're getting... They're getting further, further back. So, so y'all hearing about Jim, right? Audie from so Audie bought him from Higher Grimes out of Finger. Higher was out of yeah, Finger. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the way it went. What I'd heard, what little I'd heard about him, and I didn't hear that until after Jarvis was really re- wanting to buy him bad, and uh, I heard that they said that he was. Pretty wild when he was young, that he would go get gone, get yonder, and I think they said he uh, would run a deer pretty bad when he was a young dog, Jim. But I never, I never heard Jim run a deer or give an off bark on any kind of game, but a, but a coon. But you know, a lot of young dogs will run deer when they're young, and doesn't doesn't take much to break them off of it. But most of the puppies that I ever raised uh, never had any trash problems out of anything that came out of Dan or Jim, either one. So so I wonder if Audie had Blackjack already when he got Jim, or was Blackjack the youngest of the bunch? Blackjack. You, you mean Mitchell had Blackjack? Yeah, I, what I'm saying is, the family had him. Yeah, I, I don't know how that went, when, who got what there, Ted. I just. But Audie got a hold of Jim. Yeah, Audie got a hold of Jim. So did they have Voz's Blackjack and Voz's Gentleman Jim at the same exact time? Probably did. Probably did, did for a little while. Probably did. But now Mitchell and Audie, you know, they they didn't even, I don't think they hunted much together. They did. They just brothers and mm-hmm. hunted together and. A little, and but they, uh, Mitchell had his dogs, and Audie had his dogs. Audie didn't keep the dogs long. He he would make something out of them, and then he'd get a big price for them, and he'd start another one, you know. So you fast forward to, did y'all go to Black and Tan Days together that year? Yeah. Y'all went together? Yeah. Miss Joyce went? Joyce went. And Tilly went? Tilly went. Tilly is, is Wendell's wife, yeah. still alive. Uh, she keeps a check on him when we go hunting, makes sure that we're out of staying out of trouble. So y'all go all four of y'all to take a couple trip to Black and Tan Days. Where was this located? It was at uh, where where we have a Salem floor floor yeah, floor floor at the Charlie Brown Park. That's the home what we call the home of Black yeah, and Tan that's Days. Right. That's where we were. So we we do move from time to time, but we call. Floor, uh, Charlie Brown Park, our home. So y'all, y'all go to Black Tent. Did y'all hunt anything that weekend? Or y'all just go up there to sightsee? No, Jarvis was he was he was hunting. Uh, I can't remember what dog he was hunting. A young dog that was uh, doing real well. I think it was it was one of Rammer's puppies. But and he had another dog that he had. I think that he got off of uh, Riley. But he was mostly selling some dogs. <laughs> you know, when Jarvis was real popular among the black and tan people. 
And and when he get there, everybody was following him around, talking to him, asking him what what he had to sell and what his dog was doing. But that year, when we got there, everybody was following uh, Audie around. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, I think Audie had let it be known that he might sell the gym dog. And uh, Charles had bought he had bought, he had brought a dog with him by the name of Guthrie's Deacon. You've heard of him? Absolutely. Yeah, he's he's one of those foundation, I mean. Well, Jarvis had him with him and had him, he had put him in the cooner for sale for $2,500. Well, uh, Jarvis, he, he had nothing on his mind that, that whole trip but that gym dog. He wanted that dog so bad he couldn't he couldn't sleep couldn't eat do nothing else, and some guy was walking around on the ground and he said he ran up to Jarvis he said Jarvis have you still got that Deacon dog Yeah I still got him, he said Well I'm I'm interested in him, he said uh, What what would you take for him, and Jarvis was trying to gather up some cash, to buy Jim with so he said Well I'll take fifteen hundred for him. And that guy reached in his shirt pocket, and he had the $2,500 to pay for him because that's what Jarvis had advertised him in the cooner. <laughs> and that guy counted out the 15 of them and rolled those others up and put them back in his pocket. Jarvis just followed that m money right into that guy's pocket. <laughs> he, he said, well, I messed up, didn't I? I said, well, you just lost $1,500. <laughs> but anyway, that's how it went, but... He he was really wanting that dog bad. So he sold Guthrie's Deacon. Yeah. At that hunt. Yeah. Which I don't know if people know, but a lot of the stuff that I hunt on one one partial will go back to Guthrie's Deacon. Yeah. Because Guthrie's Deacon, I think, was out of. Uh, I'm not sure. Tennessee I, I, Deacon. I hunted with him a yeah. few times, but I didn't know much about yeah. it. Yeah. But but a good reproducer himself. Oh, yeah, he was a good coon dog. Yeah. He was. So he's raising money. And y'all, so everybody's following Audie around. We're kind of paint this picture. You know, Audie's the man of the weekend, Ray. That's right. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, he's got this, <coughs> and, and he's got this big, not big, but he's got a fine-looking black and tan oh, he's, he's willing to sell. Dog, no doubt about it, yeah. So y'all go to breakfast? Is that what you do? We went to breakfast, and... Uh, my wife was sitting over there reading a book or knitting one of the two, and uh, at and I looked over there at Jarvis's plate and he hadn't eaten. And Jarvis's a big eater, and I, I said, "Jarvis, what's wrong, Jarvis? He's not eating." I said Wendell, "He wants that dog so bad, he can't eat and he can't sleep, and he just hadn't got the money to buy him with her." He said. Uh, some some things had happened and just that and other, and he said, she said he's so afraid that uh, somebody's gonna buy that dog up here and he's not gonna get him. And uh, I said, well, now, I I'm not interested because I've never even seen the dog. I've never heard the dog bark. I don't know nothing about him, and I don't I've never seen a dog walking that I'd give $3,000 for half interest in it. Because, I mean, back in those days, you could buy a nice hound for five or $600. So 
six thousand was the price he negotiated with with Audi. Yeah. Okay. That's what Audi was asking for. That was his asking price. Yeah. He had he had other buyers. For and Audi. probably an acre of land back then probably sold for a couple hundred bucks. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just to keep it in perspective. Yeah. And, and I never uh, at that time I never paid much over. Three, four, five hundred dollars for a dog. I did pay six, I think, for Dan. But uh, that and my wife, you know, she frowned about that, and uh, she raised up off of the, and said, "Well, why don't y'all just buy that dog?" And man, you could hit me over the head with a hammer. I did. What are you talking about, girl? She said, "Well, if he, if he, he wants that dog that bad, and y'all want him, said, why don't you just buy him?" I said, well, honey, I'm not sure I've even got $3,000 laying around the uh, house that I want, that I need to give for a dog. Most of that's one I never have seen, never heard. And she said, well, my daddy has. And at that time, when we got married, her daddy gave her a checkbook and put it where she could sign checks and told her anything we needed or so we got out of school and got jobs of our own just write a check on him and she just whipped out that her dad's checkbook and <laughs> wrote out a check for three grand and handed it to Jarvis <laughs> that's it I had half interest in a dog <laughs> that I'd never seen before and really didn't want <laughs> because I thought I had a better dog than him at the house but Anyway, I mean, we did that just more or less to keep Jarvis' sanity going. <laughs> okay, this concludes episode one. I guess it's right up to uh, the check writing uh, experience there with uh, Tilly and Wendell and Joyce and Jarvis. We hope you uh, found this episode uh, enjoyable. And if you did, go to abtcha.net. Uh, sign up to be a member. Uh, every membership helps. Uh, so stay tuned for episode two. Uh, we're going to go through uh, Jim and some more dogs uh, and Jarvis, uh, early days of PKC. So stay tuned. In the meantime, go black.